Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini, represented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, it's the return of Tony Jones. Tony, it's been Yo, a long time, man. Where, you where have you been? About me. Where have you been all my life? Well, where have you been? I, I, you know, you've been languishing, you know, doing just terrific stuff on on college basketball, pro basketball. I mean, you're like Mr. Versatility and me. I'm just here in my corner in a little old Salt Lake City, Utah, just trying to survive. Yeah, you got you got cold weather there. It's uh, it's been terrible in L.A. It's been like raining for the last week, it seems like. OK, but... I was just in Minneapolis, so I don't want to hear it. Oh, God, that's terrible. <laughs> i have to go to minneapolis in march for the final four and i'm not looking forward to that but oh god i can only imagine what is happening if you have to go to minneapolis in the middle of february well i was in that 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 big freeze where you know for those couple of days it was colder colder here than it was on mars uh, i was in that oh my god that's misery that is such misery um i saw like there was a 100 degree difference at one point between los angeles and chicago and i was like oh wow that does not sound normal that does not sound normal um yeah for sure so we're gonna talk about mostly nba trade deadline stuff on this podcast we're gonna talk um the continuing revolving door of leaks and information that keeps coming out about Anthony Davis. We're going to talk about Lonzo Ball thinking that he's going to dictate where he gets to go. We're going to talk yeah. about the Chris Stapps deal just a week out. I know that I happened to be podcasting last time with Cole right as the deal went down. So you guys kind of know my thoughts on it, but it's worth revisiting. Uh, we're going to talk about the Memphis guys, Mike Conley and Marcus All. I feel like they're the next two biggest move pieces at this deadline. Um, we might talk about a couple of other NBA trade deadline things, and then we're also going to talk about some college guys because that's something that is near and dear to Tony's heart as well. Uh, let's start with Anthony Davis, though. So over the last, I would say, what, four days, five days, we've just gotten a total mess of leaks uh, about Anthony Davis and about, you know, where does he want to go? Uh, he released a four team list to the teams that are trying to, uh, to the Pelicans and to, you know, maybe teams that are trying to acquire him. It has the Lakers, it has the Knicks, it has the Clippers and it has the Bucks. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis's dad on Friday came out and said he does not want to go to Boston in rather hilarious fashion. Uh, it just seems like Rich Paul is throwing uh, as much shit at the wall as he can. Trying Rich to Paul pressure, is working overtime. Yeah, trying to put pressure on the Pelicans to make this deal now. It might work. If it works, this is this well, is the most the impressive. Today, what the Lakers offered today was not a bad offer. They offered Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, two first-round picks, uh, Rajon Rondo, who they missed terribly from last year and and michael beasley and lance stevenson if i'm magic johnson i mean if i'm del demps i'm really not that far apart because i can either say hey you either include josh hart or you include another first round pick in or you know or you say okay what are the odds that i can trade anthony davis for the first pick of the draft in zion williamson or you know, or the odds that I can rank, that I can squeeze Jason Tatum out of this deal from Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics. And I don't know how good those odds are. Um, but if you have to start over, I mean, you're basically starting over with the entire uh, Lakers court and you're adding Drew Holiday to that. It's not, it, to me, a starting lineup of uh, a starting lineup of Kuzma, Ingram, 
uh, Lonzo Ball, uh, Drew Holiday, um, Drew Holiday, and, and and whoever they can put at the center. It's not terrible to me. Um, I just think you know, basically, you know, if you're Dell Demps, you know, just getting those four guys, three or four guys, getting two or three first round picks, and on top of that, you're getting off of Solomon Hill's awful, awful contract. Uh, that it's it's not horrible to me. It's 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 certainly not the laughable you know first deal that the Lakers put out there, and it's not all that dissimilar. Now, obviously, Boston could come in and just throw and a whole bunch of picks, but you know, Rich Paul is submarine that. Now there's no there's no chance that Boston offers uh, that entire package now. Now that now that Rich Paul is is has really submarine that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but. I'm I'm not I don't think that the pick that they threw out there is is all that ter- the the package they've thrown out there uh today is all that terrible. So, let's kind of break this down step by step. So, you mentioned the deal, right? That's on the table apparently. It's reported just to give these guys credit uh by Brad Turner uh right. at the LA Times and right. I believe that uh Tanya Ganguly is also like kind of you know, reporting it as well with Brad, but I know that Brad threw the initial offer out there. Um, so that, that exists like that offer is out there in the ether, right? I don't like, I've been saying from the start, I don't think that this is that bad of an offer. Uh, I think that if the Celtics and if the Knicks can't top it, uh, later on, then I think that this is a reasonable deal. It's not a great deal. Like, I don't think that they would be ecstatic to have gotten these guys, uh, for one of the three best players in the NBA. But I think that it's a reasonable offer that I don't know can be topped anywhere else other than by the Knicks and by the Celtics. Right. Here, here's the thing, though. Why don't you wait? If you're New Orleans, why don't you wait? Because, like, the, the Lakers aren't going to be sitting here in June going, oh, well, we didn't get Anthony Davis for this playoff run when we were going to lose to the Warriors with their, you know, superstar lineup that now includes DeMarcus Cousins. Anyway, like, you know, we shouldn't go after him now because he only has one year left on his contract. They're not going to do that. Of course they're not going to do that. The problem with that is Rich Paul has said, Anthony Davis's father comes out and says, my guy is not, my son is not resigning with the Celtics because of the way they treated Isaiah Thomas. Rich Paul has come out and said, "We have this list and of 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 teams that the Celt- that that Anthony will sign with long term, and Anthony and, and the Celtics are not on that list. So why would the Celtics be motivated uh, to to offer their gaggle of picks and to offer Jason Tatum, which is what Dell Dempster really want because Jason Tatum is a guy that we think." Uh, at some point has is is going to be an all nba player so if i'm magic johnson if i just offered you everything that i that i offered and maybe i throw in josh hart maybe i throw in another first and you don't take that then my offer diminishes diminishes over the summer to me if you're del demps who's the general manager uh of the new orleans pelicans if you if if you wait until the summer what you do is you wait and you see who wins the lottery and And you say, hey, I will do, I will, you give me your first pick and you give me matching dollar for dollar uh, to make the, to, to make the salaries work. And I'll give you Anthony Davis. And that, that's, that's, that's to me what I would do if you wait, if you, if you're Dell Demps. So 
I guess, again, what it comes back to is, yes, I, I, I would be waiting. I'm sure Magic Johnson is going to try and bluff that and say like, oh, yeah, if you wait until the summer, you're not going to have this <laughs> offer on the table. But at the end of the day, like, I still think the Celtics are going to be there trying to get Anthony Davis, right? Like, I, I think still... they'll be there in some form, but are but they going to throw? Okay, so say, say that they don't throw Jason Tatum in. Right. Right. Say it's Jalen Brown. It's Marcus Smart to make the salaries work. It's, um, you know, the Memphis pick in the future. It's uh, the Clippers pick this year. You know, it's it's all of this stuff. To me, that's still enough of an offer to where the Lakers have to top that by putting in all of Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. Like, I, I still think that even if they don't offer Jason Tatum, the Lakers still have to top that Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, three first round picks offer by throwing in everything that they have. Or in Tor- like, so say Toronto loses Kawhi Leonard or they keep Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, Masai Ujiri doesn't play games. Like if he thinks that in plus, here's the other thing too. All of those guys salaries are done after next year. Anyway, uh, they have a couple of non guarantees, I believe on uh, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, if I remember correctly. So they can just go all in next year for Anthony Davis say, Hey, we've got Kyle, we've got Serge, And then we're going to just cut bait with this core. And if we lose Anthony Davis, we lose Anthony Davis. Or if it doesn't work, we move him again at the deadline. Like, I think that they might be willing to throw in a Pascal Siakam and, you know, OG Ananobi, which again, makes you consider if you're, which makes you, if you're the Lakers top that offer by throwing in everything you have. Right. So I, I just don't see where the Lakers offer changes from now until June. And if that's the case, if I'm the Pelicans, I just wait until June to see who gets the number one overall pick. And I wait until July 1st to see where Kyrie Irving ends up. Because if Kyrie stays in Boston, I think the Celtics offer Jason Tatum. Right. Right. So to me, it's just like patient, like be patient. So, to, and do so what you're saying is you're not trading him to the Lakers before Thursday. I'm not. No, I, I would not. Personally, I, I I agree with you based off of that's going to make some of my friends very sad. Why? Because I got you know my best friend's a Laker fan. <laughs> you know I got I got, you know there's a whole bunch of Laker fans at the gym I play, that I hoop at. You know they're going to be very sad to hear this to to hear uh, Sam on on our Game Theories podcast say you know it's just there's just going to wait and then you know Laker Twitter is just going to come after you. I I battled Laker Twitter about seventy two hours ago. And a guy just told me to meet me in the meet him in the streets. Oh, you got to meet me in Temecula situation. Yeah, the guy told me, I, and I was actually on a plane, and you know, he he he, you know, one of the Laker fans. He was just like, meet me in the streets, and and, and I told him to bring his ninety followers. <laughs> so um, that part was fun. Oh my god! So I'm just see, I'm like, but here's the thing. Here's know here's, what you're getting yourself into. But I'm, I'm not saying that you're taking. I'm not saying that the Lakers shouldn't end up with Anthony Davis. Like, again, I think that there's a reasonable pathway for the Lakers to end up with Anthony Davis. I'm just saying if I'm the Pelicans, I'm waiting because I I just don't see this offer diminishing at any point. Uh, And, you know, if it gets to the point where, you know, we hear these rumors about Kevin Durant joining Kyrie Irving in New York. This is not, you know, these aren't really state secrets at this stage. Like, this is a thing that really might happen. Um, also, by the way, Solomon Hill is apparently not starting tonight for New Orleans. So that makes this even more fun. But, 
But like, I don't, if I am the Pelicans, there's just no reason for me to make this move now. I don't think I'm being patient. And I get that there is, there's also the argument of, you know, uh, Anthony Davis, what happens if he decides that he wants to play the rest of the season because he wants to make all NBA. He wants to confirm basically that he'll be able to be like a super max player. And I think that that is a reasonable question that we don't necessarily have an answer to. I'm sure Rich Paul, like that's a play for him is to try and put pressure on the Pelicans by saying Anthony Davis is going to play. Like we want him to play. Anthony wants to play. So you're going to have to sit him. And I'm sure then that the players association is going to get involved. I'm sure the leagues that the league is going to get involved. If I'm the Pelicans, I'm willing to fight the players association in the league on this for these reasons. I will just say to the league, Hey, you know what? Anthony Davis requested a public trade. You guys had to fine him because he requested a public trade. We're just, you know, essentially keeping our asset healthy by doing this. We need to confirm that our asset, who we are going to take care of in the offseason, when there is a more robust market for him, is still an asset for us then and is not getting injured. Anthony Davis has an extensive injury history. We want to make sure that this guy stays healthy. And based off of the fact that you guys find him for this, Look, I mean, I think we're doing what is well within our rights. And then the Players Association is obviously going to be very angry about this. But you might take a hit in terms of the players thinking like, hey, we don't want to go to New Orleans. Realistically, I mean, New Orleans doesn't have a history of guys wanting to go to New Orleans anyway. And the news cycle turns so fast in the NBA now that I think people forget about this. So that's the way that I play this. I I say, hey, I'm taking Anthony Davis into the offseason with me. I'm taking that 14% roll of the dice that the Knicks win the number one overall pick and end up being able to trade us Zion Williamson. And I'm just kind of rolling from there. Well, the thing, I will say this, the thing, the, 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 the biggest argument of waiting is Zion Williamson, right? Because right now, realistically, I think so. Zion Williamson, realistically, right now, today, is the best player that you can that that you you can get out of this trade if you're the New Orleans Pelicans. I agree. I would rather have him than Jason Tatum for what yes. it's worth. Especially if and you're the Pelicans because this is something I've talked about before, but Zion is going to be one of the three biggest stories in the NBA next season. Like by getting Zion Williamson, not only do you get a player that I think is going to be an all-star, but you stay incredibly relevant in the NBA well, he, by Zion's getting Zion. A superstar. Yeah. Zion's going to be a superstar. He's Barring injury, he's too big for anybody. Um, he's he's too big for anybody that's fast enough to guard him, and he's too fast for anybody that's big enough to guard him. Yeah, I think and, he is the best prospect since Anthony Davis. Yes, I'm 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 with you there. He is far more. He is incredibly skilled for his size. He's far more skilled than I gave him credit for coming into this season. He handles the basketball like a point guard. He passes like a point guard. He defends. Uh, he moves his feet. Plus, he's 6'7", 280 pounds. He's basically like a Charles Barkley. With Charles Barkley athleticism, when you remember how athletic Charles Barkley was in his prime, but he has point guard feet, and he handles the ball like a point guard, and he passes the ball like a point guard. He is, is without a doubt, um, um, I think he's a can't-miss prospect if he stays healthy. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think there are health concerns. But, you know, I think that we should just talk very quickly about, like, what the Lakers offer is 
right? Like we kind of talked about it a second second ago, but like again, I think it's like an actual pretty real offer. I am still in on Brandon Ingram. Like I, I get that people are quickly leaving that island, but I think that the adjustment to play with LeBron is incredibly hard and he's still 21 years old or 20 years old. Like I, I feel a lot of confidence in him still becoming like a very, very good player. Maybe like a borderline all-star type player, maybe like a top 50 type guy, but like I, I still feel confident in him reaching that level. I think the same of Lonzo Ball. I think Lonzo Ball is going to be like right around, you know, a top 50 player at some point in the NBA. I think Kyle Kuzma has a chance to be, you know, a top 50-ish player in the NBA. I think all three of those assets are relatively close in terms of value. You know, Kyle Kuzma has a ridiculously good contract. I would probably replace uh Michael Beasley with Josh Hart in this deal if I was right. the Pelicans. Right. Like I, I I'll just be honest. I don't think that, uh, you know, the Pelican or the Lakers are going to be like, no, we're getting Anthony Davis. You can't have Josh Hart. So I, I would just request Josh Hart. And I think that I would be able to get it. Uh, I really like Josh Hart. I think he's going to be a you know solid starter, maybe sixth man uh, who does a lot to really, really help your team win basketball games. He's a great guy to close in lineups with, uh, you know, maybe later on in his career, not quite there yet, but I, I am generally a fan of this offer i think it's a real offer uh and plus they're gonna get like a top 20 pick probably in this draft that's fine you get off of the solomon hill deal i don't really think that the pelicans should be like trying to extract value in this deal by getting off of the solomon hill deal because really that only has one year left on it like that's that's a deal that's easily get offable like you could deal solomon hill to a team that has you know someone like evan turner and a first or something. Maybe not Evan Turner, because I think his deal only has one year left after this. But someone that has like two years left on a deal that's a bad deal. And then get an asset back to take on that deal. So I, I don't think Solomon Hill is like an incredible you know, value add getting off of that deal for him. So I just look at this deal and I'm like, it's a good offer. It's a reasonable offer. I think that all three of these guys or all four of these guys, if you get Josh Hart, step into your starting lineup, step into your top six immediately and give you depth throughout the lineup, give you team control, give you player control, give you a measure of cost control for a team that needs it in New Orleans because of their attendance issues. I'm just waiting and to see if I can get Zion Williamson or if I can get Jason Tatum. So the question that you have to ask yourself and is this deal that the Lakers have on the table right now, is that same deal going to be there on July 1st? Yeah. And, and if, like I, and if yeah. the answer is yes, then you wait. Yeah. I, I just don't see, maybe you can't get Josh Hart you know, later on, or maybe you only get two of the three of Kuzma and Ingram. Plus you get Josh Hart. Okay. I'm willing to gamble on the 14% that I get Zion and take the like slightly diminished Lakers offer then, or like take the, take the small gamble that I get Jason Tatum in an offer and take the slight, if, even if it does end up being slightly diminished, I'm just willing to take that bet. If I'm Dell Demps, the question is, what do you do with Anthony Davis for the rest of the year? Because now you have a lame duck on your roster for, for the next three or four months. Yeah. I just, I just kind of talked and about that. And that can that, get kind of, that, that can kind of get uncomfortable. Well, yeah. I mean, like I just kind of talked about that. What, what do you think of that scenario? Um, I, I'm thinking if you're Dell Demps, you shut him down. You don't let him play again for the rest of the year because there's, there's no use in winning any, there's no use for New Orleans to win another game the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah, I didn't even mention the lottery impact of it all. Like, 
you because increase your battery. You sit him down. Sitting the thing is, if you sit him for the rest of the season, you might not have to worry about Zion Williamson. Yeah, you might, you might get him. Yourself. Yeah, you, you could get him. So, yeah, like, like to me, if I'm Dell. So then you might be able to get John Morant, too. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I'm 100% with you on this. I am, I am waiting. I am full on just waiting to see what happens here and then going from there. Um, the other piece of this that is kind of funny to me is uh, Lonzo Ball. LeVar, LeVar is back in our lives, baby. LeVar Bell, uh, according to Om uh, Jung Mizuk. Om, my man yeah, Om. We'll just call him Om. Uh, yeah. I've never met Om, weirdly. No, I've known Om for almost 20 years. That's my guy. Yeah. Um, LeVar Ball since, tells... Since we, since we were interned. That's cool. That's very cool. I don't have those kind of relationships, man. Those, those are those are nice nice journalism relationships. Um, LeVar Ball tells ESPN that if Lonzo Ball is traded, he wants his son to go to Phoenix. We want to be in LA, but if he's traded, I don't want Lonzo in New Orleans. Phoenix is the best fit for him, and I'm going to speak it into existence. Does LeVar <laughs> realize that, that that's not how it works? So it's a little bit funny that he thinks that's how it works, right? Like, like, that, like, if, if New Orleans trades for Lonzo Ball, then that's it. Lonzo Ball is in New Orleans for the next six years of his life because New Orleans has six years of of team control remaining over Lonzo Ball. So Lonzo ain't going to Phoenix. He ain't going nowhere. He's. I hope he likes gumbo. But the best part about this whole deal is is the fact that that Lavar is back. I love Lavar. Lavar you know is like Lavar is like. Look, they can't trade us twice, right? So <laughs> I might as well start talking. See, like I guess I should say I like the idea of Lavar and what he represents. There are some problematic aspects of Lavar that uh, are are at issue, but in general, I find the character of Lavar to be an interesting, funny one for the league. I I think he's interesting you know i'm not sure so i mean he's funny he's unintentionally funny like you know the fact that he's saying well you know we don't really want him in new orleans we want him in phoenix and it's just gonna happen like that that's comic relief right there um you know but plus on top of that you know i I think i think lavar is underestimating his son a little bit here because the reason why he wants him in phoenix is because there's no other there's there's no other um there's no, there's, no uh, there's no other impediment to playing time there for him. So, you know, and he's looking on New Orleans roster and he's like, well, Alfred Payton is here, so he's going to have to p- compete or whatever. Look, By the way, if, if I'm... Payton. He's a lot better than Alfred Payton. If I'm the Lakers, i probably try and grab Alfred Payton for the rest of the year, by the way. Uh, why? Because they need a point guard. I mean, Le- LeBron? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could play LeBron at point, but... Just put him at the point. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, you, you need one defensively more than offensively almost. Like, you just need someone that can guard quicker guards because, like, you don't want to put that on LeBron in the playoffs. But, like, yeah, I get that. I mean, you, you're you going to – look, the Lakers are about to sign – they're about to – they're trying to trade for Jabari Parker. They're about to sign uh, – they're about to they're about to sign Carmelo Anthony. Um, look, they're not stopping anybody regardless, okay? It's so. Fair. <laughs> um, fair point you know you might as well just try to outscore everybody i mean and and, and it's possible because <laughs> they might go out and get jr smith they got kcp you got lebron you're probably gonna have mellow you're probably gonna have jabari parker and you're gonna have 
and you'd have Anthony Davis, consider, you know, assuming this trade goes through. So, you know, I mean, it's it's a roster that is not going to stop anybody, but they can score. I mean, they're, they're going to be able to score points on people. Plus, if you keep Josh Hart, if this deal goes through and you keep Josh Hart, you can put Josh Hart on point guards because Josh Hart can guard pretty much anybody. Yeah, that's fair. Josh's feet are a little bit slower than what I would hope for to guard a point guard. But, yeah, that's... Yeah, you could you could make that work if this ends up going through without Josh Hart. Um, yeah, I just think it's a little bit funny. Lonzo is trying to dictate. I do love the idea of him in Phoenix. Like he would be an incredible fit there. They would be starting everyone between six foot six and six foot eight. Beyond DeAndre Ayton, they could play switch one through four. Really, you could switch one through five with DeAndre. You would have requisite rim protection because Lonzo, for a point guard, is a pretty good rim protector. Uh, you know, Mikael Bridges is super long. Uh, Kelly Oubre is super long. Josh Jackson, athletic and semi-long. Like, it, it's, a, it's an interesting scheme, and it's an interesting idea of putting Lonzo in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he and, and Devin Booker uh, mesh incredibly well. Yep. Um, you know, I, I've always been in Alonzo. Um, you know, he's a guy that 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 to me is is has a chance to be a really a really, really good two way player in this league. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I understand the sentiment and everything. But, you know, here, here we go. At the same time, you know, I, I, th- I think that that Alonzo is going to be a starter on 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 most teams that he plays on this in this in this league. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, just the fact that you can play off the ball a little bit and you can have them just lead the break. You can have them defend one through three. You can have them, you know, actually initiate half court offenses. There, there are a lot of fits for Alonzo in this league is, you know, maybe he's not the superstar player, but he can be an incredible secondary piece. I think, um, Let's move on. Let's let's talk about Kristaps Porzingis. So uh, I talked about the Porzingis. So you're team. just gonna make me sad on this podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Um, well, I guess that as the Knicks fan, what did you think of Kristaps? Well, would I think of him as a player? Well, what would you think of the deal? I I hated it. That's the right attitude. It was trash. <laughs> Expound. It was absolutely dumpster juice. Like, uh, okay, so first of all, Dennis Smith is not that good. He has a long way to go before he re- before he has a long way to go in terms of running the team. He's not a great shooter. He's not a great ball handler. He's athletic and he can get to the basket. Okay, that's fine. Um, you know, I, I I like getting off of Tim Hardaway's contract. I like that part. Um, you know, you probably have to trade Courtney Lee because you're not trying to win, so you might as well trade him to another situation. Um, I like acquiring expirings. But I mean, this is pennies on a dollar for for one of the most talented guys in the league. I mean, this guy is—he's an All NBA guy, and you know, I I, I just think that um, the only way this trade works, the only way this trade works, is if you get Kyrie and you get Kevin Kevin Durant. If you get those, if you get those two guys, then this trade looks like a genius move. Uh, if you don't get the, if you don't get those two guys, um, then Steve Mills deserves a lot of criticism. I don't think there's. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of of wiggle room in the outcomes there. Um, but let me ask you this: What if, what if the Knicks wind up with Kimball Kimball Walker and Tobias Harris instead of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? So does yeah, that? I don't like that at all. All right then. So there's only one possible outcome. Yeah. That that makes trading. 
Kristaps Porzingis, when you, first of all, you have, at the very least, even if Kristaps says, okay, I'm not even going to go out and get a deal. I'm just going to sign the QO, and then I'm going to go into next year uh, as, as, as a free agent. You still have time. Why are you rushing this? You still had the cap space. And to go. by the way, do you think for a second he was actually signing no. the qualifying offer? I don't no, at all. Because you just tore your ACL. So why would you go and take a qualifying offer and expose yourself even more? Yeah, like they, they I'm sure, threatened that. I, I don't buy for a second that they're passing up uh, you I, know, a four-year or a five-year 100 to $125 million contract. I would have for, told him to take the qualifying offer. Call my bluff, and if you call the bluff, then you trade him. You don't right. trade him now. So the problem is then that he gets the essentially a no trade clause. Then, and the team that's right. trading for him doesn't get right. his bird rights afterward. Right. So that that is a problem if you're trying to trade him after. If he actually would take the qualifying right. offer, but if you but if but if he wants to be traded so bad, he's going to waive that no trade clause. Yeah. If you if he if he wants to be traded as as much as he said he wanted to be traded, but it, but it kills his long-term value to the team that trades for him too so like you don't get nearly as much back if you're they the- didn't get anything back from in the first place <laughs> so oh so okay so you know what it's gonna kill us so we don't get dennis smith back we get langston galloway so yeah they're, they're gonna get they're gonna get dennis smith and they're gonna get two picks probably around like 20th overall right um maybe 25th with the second one so that that is those are valuable picks. You know, maybe Kristaps gets hurt one year and they get lucky and like the 2023 slash 2024 oh, picks that they get. Oh, Sam. Chris maybe Stops that's is going to be 25 and 13 and Luca is going to be yeah, 25 and 8 and 7. And <laughs> they're going to be awesome. I agree with you. I, I think it's a great deal for Dallas. Uh, I think it's a great deal for no one else. <laughs> I, I didn't like it for the Knicks. You know, when we broke down the deal on Thursday, it was before the second first round pick got thrown into the mix. Right. I think it helps a little bit. Like it, it helps tilt it like slightly back a little bit toward the Knicks, but it's still not a good deal for them. I don't think like I, I if you're making me pick, would I rather build a team around Kevin Durant in Kristaps Porzingis or Kevin Durant and anybody else on this free agency market, but Kyrie and I guess Kawhi would be on this list. Like we have to say Kawhi just because, right. you know, he's in the mix at least, uh, right. you know, I, I would imagine that he's more likely to end up in LA. Like the Clippers think they're getting everyone too. So like, you know, where, where does Kevin Durant go? Does he go to the Clippers? Does he go to New York? Does he stay in golden state? Like, I don't I don't think we know what's going to happen yet. Like, you know, there are the rumors out there that Kevin Durant is going to New York. I just don't think anyone knows yet. And so much can change over the course of five months until these guys end up signing their free agency deals. You know, we had the situation last year where it seemed like LeBron was going to L.A. and everyone kind of talked about LeBron going to L.A. all year. We've had situations like Paul George saying like, hey, you know, I want to end up in L.A. I want to end up in L.A. And he gets sold on the culture in Oklahoma City. So we just don't know. You know what I mean? We don't know six months out, five months out, how this is going to end. And to me... The the thread that you or the needle you have to thread to make this a better deal if you're the Knicks is literally just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It has to be both. If they get both, and then it's okay, a win. So 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 let's say they get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, right? Let's say let's say all of that 
comes to fruition, right? Then at that point, you've made Dennis Smith redundant. Yes, that's also a problem. So <laughs> why did you trade for him in the first place? Oh, I, there's, I got, listen, I, I'm, I'm so triggered by that trade. It's, it's ridiculous, okay? I mean, but, I mean, as you said, you know, there's... This, there's to me, there's, like... There's, there are so many people out there like defending this deal for the Knicks and like smart people, like people whose opinions, like I really respect, like I think Kevin Pelton is fucking incredible at his job. And I think like Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue, smart people, Dan Feldman, smart person. Like there are people out there that are like, you know what? In terms of value, like this is a reasonable trade for Chris Stops. It's not I, a reasonable trade for Chris Stops. I, I get that perspective. I just really don't agree. Like, it's just like one of those deals where you look at it, like from a value perspective in a vacuum, as opposed to like value in terms of fits with roster in terms of, uh, you know, what the holes that opens up for the Knicks are and just how much they have to thread that needle to make it work. It's a deal that potentially could be very good for New York. I just don't like the, the needle that you have to thread to get there it's such a small window it's such a small window that you have to get through and i'm a little bit worried uh well if they if they strike it big in free agency then yeah it was a terrific deal um but if you strike out in free agency even if you end up with even if you end up with kevin durant and let's say jimmy butler instead of kyrie irving i still think that that is worse than having kevin durant and christophs porzingis I would rather oh, have those two. Well, for sure. But here's the thing. I mean, I don't think that the Knicks are going to completely strike out uh, in free agency because I think um, because the, the market is saturated. Darn near half the league is free agents this year, this summer. And, you know, the, the Jazz have too – I mean, I'm sorry. The Knicks have too much money um, and that they, they have enough money that somebody's going to take their money. It's just a matter of who. You know, so well the who matters though. The, well, the who matters obviously, and and like you said, this trade becomes a home run if you sign uh, Kyrie Irving, you sign Kevin Durant, and then you you know you trot them out, and then um, you know you Steve Mills, you go you Steve Mills, you do you do uh, you do you do the media tour, and you say, hey, I knew something in February. You know, that's why I made the deal. Yeah. Uh, but if it doesn't go down like that. Then you know this is this is this is you you just gave away your, you just gave away the best player in your franchise since 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 Patrick Ewing yeah. like you just gave him away yeah yeah so it, it, there's no middle ground here it's an either or this is either a genius trade or it's one of the worst trades in the last ten years no yeah, in between the the fact that it is a deal that has that large of an extreme window. Uh, in terms of where this could end up does make it like to me, one of the absolute most interesting deals that we've seen in the NBA in years. It is a fascinating trade. Like I was talking to a couple of executives afterward and you know, the thing that we just came back to was like, you just don't see trades like this anymore. Like teams that, you know, make teams that make trades. Now, most of the time it's something along the lines of, Hey, we are going to, uh, you know, we're going to try and reduce our luxury tax burden or we're going to try and create free agency space. Uh, and, and that's the only part of the deal. It's not trading a superstar or trading an all-star to create cap space. 
So from that aspect of it, I just find it an incredibly interesting deal in a lot of ways. Like it is at the very least a fascinating trade. Yeah. I, I just wish it didn't happen to the team that I love. <laughs> oh. Yo, go pull a fascinating trade with the Miami heat or something. <laughs> uh, it's, it's another huge week across the NBA with some very exciting matchups. And there's only <laughs> one place to get in on all the action. BetOnline.ag, sports casinos, virtual casinos, you name it. BetOnline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. Use that promo code CLNS50 for that 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50 at BetOnline.ag. Look, guys, I'm supposed to pick a game of the week here. Uh, I don't think there is any game that people are more excited about than this Lakers Celtics game that happens on trade deadline day. Like that is just NBA scheduling troll gods to the max. I love everything about the fact that that ended up working out. Uh, It is just absolutely hilarious to me um, that that ended up being on the schedule. Uh, Look, you don't want to be left on the sidelines when that game goes down. Go where the action is at betonline.ag. Uh, again, CLNS Media and BetOnline are offering you a 50% sign-on bonus if you use our code CLNS uh, with your first deposit. Uh, use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign-on bonus today. BetOnline.ag. Uh, they are your sportsbook experts, and you can go online and use that mobile phone to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. And when you do that, you can try in-game live betting where you participate with the action every single play. Uh, look, just you know how much we like to gamble on this podcast. I gamble every night on college basketball at the very least. So uh, go to betonline.ag and join me uh, in the action on that. Let's talk about the team sort of that you cover. But to do that, we're going to talk about Memphis now, Tony. Uh, Mike Conley has been on the trade market for a while. Mark Gasol as well. This is the week of reckoning for those two. Is this finally the time where the Grizzlies decide to move on? Uh, you have been at the forefront of reporting everything that is Mike Conley, uh, potentially to Utah. I I mean, I'll just kind of give the floor to you. I mean, what do you think of, uh, where Mike Conley stands and, you know, we'll start there before getting to Marc Gasol. Well, I think from, from everything that I hear, it's a two horse race between, uh, Utah and the Detroit Pistons. The Jazz have made an offer. The Pistons have made an offer. Both teams, uh, according to my sources, have have offered first round draft picks, 2019 uh, unprotected picks. Um, uh, the Jazz, to me, the Jazz, to my knowledge, have have added a second round pick, uh, and the the Jazz package uh, is wrapped around expiring contracts. Um, the, I know that the uh, Detroit package is wrapped around Reggie Jackson, um, the point guard who is making 80 million dollars. Um, so, you know, I think right now Memphis is just trying, is, is just, you know, kind of taking a while to just decide, uh, what they want to do with, with Mike. Um, you know, I think both teams, uh, obviously Mike makes both teams better to me, uh, with the jazz, you know, he instantly to me makes him and Donovan Mitchell, one of the best, uh, backcourts in the league. Um, you know, obviously, uh, 
putting Mike with in Detroit with Andre Drummer and, and Blake Griffin. Uh, that gives, so you know adding Mike in, in Detroit that 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 gives them a third guy uh, that that can that can play a star role. Um, you know, so it's it, it, it's interesting. You know, one one thing if you're if you're Detroit, you know, you have to decide um, what the value project what the values of the first round picks would be. Um, you know, you have to project. You know what your books look like from from you know from in subsequent seasons. You know, so it, it's a lot to it's a lot to digest. And also, if you're Memphis, it, also if you're Memphis is is still only a Monday night, and you know you're th- still you know a little over two to two and a half days away from the deadline. Um, you, you all we all know how the deadline works. You know, teams come in at the last minute. So um, you know, I expect Memphis to take its time here. Yeah, I think that that's a reasonable move. Uh, if I was Memphis, you know, and if I'm Utah particularly, uh, I would be probably trying to acquire Mike Conley. Uh, I love the idea of Conley in Utah. I think it's just a perfect mesh of fit personality-wise, on court, everything. What do you kind of think about that? Well, I can tell you that the Jazz, like, really, really want this to happen. Um, you know, he's a guy who... I think changes some things for the Jazz because, you know, he gives them a, a second creator, and and that offense really, really, really needs another guy that can create. Um, yeah, and you know, if he takes some pressure off of Mitchell, Mitchell will take some pressure off of him. Conley's having a really good season. He's scoring twenty points a night. He's averaging six assists a night, and he's doing it in the slowest pace, slowest paced offense in the league. Uh, he's a guy that can score. Uh, obviously, he can score above the three-point line. Uh, he's one of the, he's one of the league's masters uh, in the mid-range, uh, and he can get all the way to the basket. Most importantly, I think Mike Conley's best strength is uh, that he is terrific. He is he is elite at running at running an offense and managing a team, and he does not turn the basketball over. Uh, so it's I, I think. He makes the Jazz. I, I think he potentially make the Jazz significantly better. I won't even say better. I think significantly better than what they are uh, right now, and they're not bad right now. So um, you know, at, but at the same time, um, you know, he's thirty one years old. Uh, he has an injury history from last season. Uh, obviously, you can't mention Mike Conley without mentioning his contract, which still has two more years left. And if things go badly in terms of his health or if his game somehow falls off a cliff in the next two years, then, you know, it, that last year of that contract has the potential to look really bad. Um, so with the Jazz and, you know, with Detroit for that matter, what they are, are counting on is that Conley uh, stays healthy, number one, and that, he, that his game stays on point uh, through year 33. Um, through his, you know, through his 33rd birthday. Um, and, uh, and, you know, is that a small gamble or is that a big gamble? And that's, that's the question that you have to ask and answer for yourself. Yeah. You know, I tend to be someone that likes to bet on Mike Conley. Like I feel pretty good about him. The other aspect of this that I will add is, you know, Utah is playing more up-tempo this year. They're running a lot more than what they have in the past. They're 11th in pace right now. But if they wanted to revert back to the pace that they've been playing, uh, you know, over the course of the last, you know, what, two to three years, right? I think that they finished 30th, um, you know, 
in two of the last three years in pace. They were not super high last year in terms of pace. They were probably in the bottom five of the league. You know, Conley is a guy that allows you that has experience playing in a slow scheme like Memphis, or, you know, he's a guy that just given his speed, if you want to keep playing up tempo, you can do that as well. He just gives you a lot of optionality. I think in the way that you run your team, if you're Utah. And I think that that is appealing as well. If you're looking at the jazz, he'd be a pick and roll maestro with Rudy Gobert. Uh, you know, who, by the way, Rudy Gobert, do you want to, uh, do you want to talk about Rudy real quick, getting snubbed from the all-star game, which was just kind of a joke. I thought yeah, it was a joke. He should have been there before Carl Anthony Towns. He should have been there before LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's having the best season of his career. Uh, he's developed into an offensive star as well as being a defensive superstar. Um, he affects so much for the Jazz on both ends of the floor. And, you know, he's he's number one in the league in win shares. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's just been terrific this season. Uh, and I thought it was really unfortunate that, that he was left out of the All-Star game. I thought it was, I thought it was a, a significant oversight. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's just no real. He's very clearly the best defensive player in the league right now. Uh, he's he's an underrated offensive player. Like I think that that just needs to be said, from my opinion as well. Uh, he's just a really really good, valuable player. Conversation around him crying was kind of uh, annoying to me as well. Um, you know, if a guy wants to cry because he called his mom after, you know, getting snubbed, or his mom called him after getting snubbed, who who the fuck cares? Like, <laughs> just just let the dude show emotion in the way that he feels comfortable showing emotion. Um, just that, that, that was one little small thing that frustrated me about all of this as well. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what Memphis should do here, if I was them, I, I think this is the time to move Conley. I think that very clearly you have to move Mark because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Mark is a free agent this offseason, or at least he has an opt-out this offseason to where he's going to be able to go out and make some, I don't want to say like crazy long-term money, but he can make, uh, you know, maybe he gets three years 60 on a market that is pretty flush with cap space, which is better, I think, than being on, what would it be? It'd be like one year, 22 million, something like that. Um, right. off the top of my head. So I think that that's the, uh, you know, it's one year, 25 million. Uh, to me, that's a getting two or getting three sixty is probably a better deal for him. But that's, that's why, you know, that jibes with, you know, what I've been hearing, which is that Conley's, uh, garnered, uh, a lot more interest on, on, on the market than, than yeah. Gasol has. And Mike's um, a better player too right now. I think it's just worth right, saying that because, you know, I think Marcus kind of regressed a little bit defensively. He's still he's still really impactful offensively, but he's not yep. the same uh, defender that he has been in, in past seasons. Yep. Uh, you know, and and you know, I think teams very very rightfully believe that they can get him in the summer. So, you know, it it for you know at some point it doesn't make as much sense uh, to to put your chips on the table uh, for Mark as opposed to to Mike Conley. So if you're, okay, let's say Charlotte, because I think Charlotte is the probably, you know, best fit for Mark, just in terms of like, he could make a real difference for them. I think he could realistically push them to the playoffs, which is something that they want this year. Uh, If you're Memphis, are you willing to take Charlotte's first round pick, which is right now at number 16 overall? Um, Let's say plus, plus like Marvin Williams and Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, um, or Marvin Williams or Malik Monk. 
Maybe. You have more team control over Malik Monk than you do Jeremy Lamb. You do, for sure. Like Again, though, if I'm like Charlotte, I don't know that I need to add Monk to that deal to outbid teams. You want Marcus All? You give me Malik Monk. So you're saying no first rounder, just Monk then? I wouldn't do both no, the first I'm just and joking. Monk. I would do the first rounder, and I would and I would match salaries. The problem is that they can't. I think match that's a good. Salaries. I think that's a good. I think that's a good return for for Marcus. All the problem is the problem with all of this stuff. Then that gives you three first round picks in a trash draft. Yeah, it does. It's a problem. It's definitely a problem. Uh, you know their their pick now, may or may not be if, theirs this year. By the way, we don't, we don't know right now. Um, if those for, if those, so what you know, I mean everything that intel says is that you know the the draft is obviously uh elite at the top pretty good through the first eight pretty good through the first 12 to 14 but when it falls off a cliff in the middle of the first round it really falls off a cliff yeah so how do i feel about that i I would say i feel good about the draft through like 14 ish and then i would probably not feel great the rest of the way so so if you're memphis you all the picks that you need have need to finish and need to need to convey in the top 14 top 15 top 16 yeah yeah it's true and realistically like even at like number six or so i I don't think you're getting a player that is you know an elite level typical number six overall player in this draft i just don't so okay so zion goes number one yeah so so here's what here's how i would tier it and i did this in the mock draft as well i I would say that uh number one is like you know a great number one overall pick to have two and three probably slightly below average in comparison to what two and three are rj barrett and ja morant uh like i think jaw's a good player but i think jaw's like a top 10 player in most drafts not like a third player in a draft um then I would say like four to 14. And I think that particularly from like four to 10, you're getting a guy that is either a project that you're really going to have to develop, or you're getting a guy that uh, is probably a little bit below what that typical slot value is. Okay. Yeah. I would you take DeAndre Hunter in the top six? Yes. I, I personally would. I would take, him. I would as well. I would, I would as take, well. I would take DeAndre right now. I think at like four. To be honest, um, so you that, that's go, where I would, uh, I, Zion, Ja, RJ, or Zion, RJ, Ja, DeAndre. I would take DeAndre over Cam Reddish. I think. I think I'm at that stage. DeAndre's really good. Personally, that's where I'm at. I don't think that's how the rest of the league feels. Like, I'll, right. I'll just be clear about that. I think that most of the league has Cam ahead of DeAndre. Um, I think most of the league, by the way, thinks DeAndre is more of like, you know, a, a top 10 pick, not a top five pick. So yeah. I, I am high on DeAndre. Like, I, I will just say that. Um, but I would take him at four. That that makes sense to me. Yeah. And like, I would take Cam at five, probably. And then at six, I'm throwing my hands up and I don't know what I'm doing. Bull Bull, Sam. Embrace him. I'm not taking Bull Bull in the top 20. <laughs> I, I'm honestly, no, I would be real. I would not take Bull Bull, period. Just, I, I would take a number of other players in this draft. That's just where I'm at. Yeah, I know I, I, I know you were teetering on that a couple of months ago when we last pod, podcasted. Yeah. Now, now you've just, you've taken the dive. I've taken the dive for, for reasons that. Uh, well, what about Nasir Little? Yeah. Nasir is really good. I see. Like, I think Nasir is going to be fine. Um, you know, I think it's a really bad fit in North Carolina. I've talked about this a lot. Uh, Never went there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that that's true in terms of on court. Like he, you know, it's not a great fit. 
you know, it's, it's not an indictment of Roy. I don't think that uh, it's Roy's fault that he's not playing. You know, he has two seniors that know the scheme that fit better in the scheme than Nasir. So, you know, I'm not blaming Roy Williams here, but you know what? I think he's still going to be fine when you get him to the NBA. He needs to improve his feel. Like he really, he really just does not have feel for the game right now. If right. you watch him, he doesn't know where to be defensively off the ball. Uh, you know, his, his just kind of knowledge of how to space the floor, I think is not there yet. Like he just doesn't know how to play without the ball in his hands or right. when he's not defending the ball. So you're going to have to teach that. And I do think that there's something too. Is that a teachable skill? I do think it is, but I think it's just going to take a lot of time to do. Right, right. And like Jarrett Culver is shooting three for, I think, 33 right now in um, Big 12 play from three. Like he, he's just totally fallen off. He just doesn't look very confident out there right now. I don't know what the fuck to do with Kevin Porter. Um, I've been pretty clear about that. I'll tell you what. I, I'm oof, Kevin Porter has a long way to go. Yeah, he does. He's a long way to go. He has a long, has, long way to go. He has a long way to go. Long like, way to go. And 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 almost everywhere. He's he's got a long way to go defensively. He's I'm actually I'm pretty surprised how far away he is offensively. Um you know, he's got to realize that, you know, he, when he gets to to a certain level, you can't just out physical everybody or out athlete everybody. And he's got a long way to go as a teammate. Yeah, so. I mean, like getting suspended by USC is not a particularly great look. Um, yeah, because you it, you can do a, you can do a lot at, at USC and not get suspended for it. Yeah, like Jackson Hayes is interesting. You know, I, I get the upside there. I like Jackson Hayes. He, he reminds me a lot of Jared Allen. Yeah, there's a lot of that there. I like Casey Apala. Like there are guys that I like, but there are guys that I like is like typical top twenty picks that are going to go in the ten to twenty range, or like going to go in the ten to like fourteen range. Are you still uh, teetering on? Because the last time we talked about him, you were teetering on him. Are you still teetering on on, on Roy Hushamara? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm still worried about the defense. Uh, you know, he's kind of gets stuck in the mud sometimes defensively in space. You're going to have to teach him to shoot uh, from the NBA line because the shot's yeah. a little bit flat and it has the hitch. Do I think he has touch? Yeah, like I think you can teach it. I think it's just going to take time. Um, the guy that I keep going, it's funny. I keep going back and forth like terribly on Kobe white. Um, I actually Kobe, like him a lot. Yeah. The more that I watch him now, the more that I like him. Um, he's, I like guys. I mean, he's, he's a six, six point guard who is athletic and who can yeah. shoot the basketball. Yeah. Like the thing that, so like I've talked to a lot of college coaches about Kobe white now. And the thing that they keep saying is it is incredibly hard to run Roy's scheme, like at the point position period. And the fact that he's doing it as a freshman is right. incredibly impressive to them. Um, and the other thing that everyone says is like, you don't realize how big he is until you see him on the floor. Right. Like he is big for a point guard. He might right. be a bench player. Like he might be a sixth man. He might be the next Lou Williams. That's a valuable player to me. Like I, that's a but, guy that I want. Okay. How, how much of a difference is there between Kobe white and shy? Um, at the same stage. Uh, like eight inches of wingspan, like pretty, pretty yeah, the real. Wings, the wingspan is unreal. Yeah. Um, I think Kobe's a little faster. I think Shea plays with more poise. Uh, I think he's never hassled. Whereas you can kind of hassle Kobe, I think sometimes. Um, yeah, I think that those are the big ones. I think Shea has better feel. I think Kobe's a little bit quicker. Uh, Kobe's probably a little bit better as a pull-up shooter. Uh, Shea is probably... Shea's definitely better defensively, I think I would say. 
no question. So I would definitely rather have Shea than Kobe, but I do understand that as like tall point guards, there there is a comparison to be made there. Right. Well, um, I mean, I, I, you know, all of that goes to say that I think Kobe White is playing his way up into up in the draft. I, and I think that I think I agree with you for what it's worth. Yeah, and I think he's playing his way into a possible lottery pick. Yeah, if he ended up going like 14th, I would not be surprised. Um, he's going to be someone that I move up my board. Like I, I just need to at that stage. Um, so you're you're in Utah. Uh, what what do you know about Nemius Queta at Utah State? He is incredibly long. He is very very athletic. Um, he's a guy. He has tremendous timing. Tremendous timing. Uh, he's a quick jumper. Uh, he he he's on his second and third jump before most guys get off the ground after the yeah. first jump. Um, obviously he's going to have to work offensively a little bit. Um, but defensively he is a true rim protector. Uh, he has completely changed Utah state ceiling just completely. Yeah. Um, they have before this season, they have never even come close to having uh, success in the mountain West conference. And now all of a sudden they're darn near the second best team in the, in the, in the conference. Oh, they're definitely the second best team in the conference, I think. Like, I yeah, well, really I mean, and a lot of, the, and obviously a lot of that is Sam Merrill. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of that is, you know, they've, and a lot of that is Craig Smith is just a tremendous coach. I mean, he, I yeah. don't think he's going to be there long. Um, yeah, very possible. But uh, Nemius Quetta, to me, I think he's going to end up being the first legitimate pro uh, in Utah State since when? Uh, when's the last time they had a pro? Uh, <laughs> J.C. Carroll? J.C. Carroll didn't play in the NBA. Yeah, but J.C. Carroll was good enough to play in the NBA. You okay, know, like, so, he's been, well, like, the best player in, or, like, maybe the best shooter in Europe for, like, seven years now. Okay, so if we're saying J.C. Carroll's a pro, so we're saying since J.C. Carroll, he's going to be the first. I don't think they uh, – he's – he's. Uh, I think he has a chance to be a first-round pick. I would agree point. with you. I think he has a chance to be a first-round pick at some point. He's very interesting. Um, I mean, I'm like guys running through. that guys um, that are seven foot that have J- to run the floor that well, Jalen Moore protect the basket that well. They they get picked in the first round. Jalen Moore. Jalen only got a two way, and then obviously he had his anxiety. He had the the thing with his anxiety issues, and and he hasn't really played since. I need to check in with Jalen, by the way. Um, you know, but Jalen got a two way. He wasn't drafted. I mean, this yeah. kid's gonna be drafted. He's he's gonna. I mean, he's. I mean, I watched him on Saturday. He's he's tremendous, and he's only a freshman. He's only scratching the the surface of of what he can be. Yeah, I am a big fan. I am a big fan of his. Uh, no no doubt about that. I think he is a future draft pick for sure. Definitely a future draft pick. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who who else do I, who else do you like? Tell yell out some names that you like that you think are like underrated a little bit. Oh, Jalen McDaniel, or are you are you in or out on him? Jalen McDaniel's. I'm in on Jalen McDaniel's a little bit. I, we need to find out more about the court case that's happening um, up yeah. in Washington. Yeah, uh, we we need to know more about that. But in general, I do like uh, Jalen McDaniel's game. I think he's super quick. Uh, I think he might be able to shoot at some point. Uh, defensively, he's, his motor is going to make an impact. He's really improved his skill level as a driver a lot this year. Yeah, I, I like Jalen McDaniels. I had him as uh, a... I know, I, I know you're definitely in on his brother. 
<laughs> oh yeah, he's a stud. Jaden Jaden is very good. Yeah, Jaden is Jaden is special. Yeah. Jaden so, is Jaden I, I would have Jaden is I think number 2 right now in the 2020 draft class. Yeah, he's 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 tough. Yeah. Um okay, so you in on PJ Washington? Sure. Uh sure. Yeah, like I think he's like Patrick Patterson-y. Oof, you know? That's that's tough. Okay, like, Patrick Patterson is a decade-long NBA player, so I can't yeah. hit on it for so much. No, I, I don't mean that hatefully at all. I mean, he's struggling right now, and he struggled after signing that deal. Okay, I got, City, I got an interesting like, one, because yeah. this is the interesting one. The interesting one is Grant Williams, because Grant Williams doesn't have NBA size for his position, but he's an NBA player, and his motor is tremendous. But Saying all of that, guys like P.J. Tucker have been able to play in the league for a decade. So where are you at with Grant Williams? I will if Grant Williams is a first-round grade. I absolutely okay. will. Um, is it because of how hard he plays? Feel is off the charts. He is an incredible feel for the game. Uh, right. Really, really good passer. Motor, he plays incredibly hard all the time. Really good rebounder. He has great touch, which makes me think you might be able to morph him into a shooter at some point. Right, right. Um, like I just kind of believe in that. Uh, you know, good length, obviously, as well. Uh, just knows how to play basketball. I, I buy guys that know how to play basketball. It's the same with, like, Brandon Clark. Uh, I don't think Brandon Clark has, like, a set position in the NBA. I think there's a real chance that you might have to play Brandon Clark at the five. But, like, I, I just buy that, dude. I'm totally- well, if anything, if anything about Brandon Clark, you know, you know he's never going to beg for the basketball, considering who he's been playing with. Right. Like, he's... <laughs> He's going to be happy being a role player that is like he's the best defensive player in college basketball, I think. And right. he knows his role. There, there's something to be said for knowing your role and just doing what you're supposed to do. Okay. Where are we at on Eric Pascal? I had him at 20 on my most recent mock draft. I will have him as, you know, a 20 ish in my uh, big board as well. He is 6'7, 6'11 ish wingspan, if I remember correctly. Good jumper. I buy the jumper right now. I think he's a little bit worse defensively than what he gets credit for sometimes. Um, is he? Is he? Is he Draymond Greenish? No, I, I don't think he's that defensively. I don't okay. think he's he's not that long first and foremost, and his instincts defensively are not as good. Okay. Okay. But I think he's. I think he is definitely a role player, and a, I think that that player specifically, the six seven, huge body, two hundred fifty pound, super athletic guys like that, that is an underrated asset in today's NBA. Right. Because right. those guys can guard superstars, and you know maybe Pascal's not like an awesome defender, but it's just hard to have guys that have the bodies to guard super. And he's one of them. That 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 is interesting. Um, where where are you at with Pascal? Do you like him? Oh, I love him. I love Pascal. Now, where are we at on the on the on the kid from Mercer, the undersized point guard that that scores that scores a ton? The undersized point guard from Mercer. Yeah, what was his name, Chris? Oh, you're talking about Chris Clemens from um, yes. Campbell. Campbell. Chris Campbell. I'm sorry, Chris. Yes, yeah. saw uh, him. Uh, saw him earlier this season. He's also a tremendous scorer. I'm fascinated. Uh, I, I would like him to grow five inches. <laughs> Uh, I would very much like him to be taller, <laughs> but he's not going to be taller. So is he? Is he in the league at five eight? Because he can score, and he's um, athletic, and he can shoot, and he's got the ball on the string, and he's got a, a great body, and he's explosive. Um, just pretty much everything that you need to play in the NBA, except for except for size, he, he's got. I'm going to say that 
I think he plays in the NBA at some point. He would not be someone that I would prioritize. Okay. I, I just don't like small. Like, I think it's way too hard to defend uh, with small guards like that. That's fair. Yeah. Like, yeah, I do think that at some point, though, he will play and he will get a cup of coffee at the very least in the NBA. All definitely fair. Definitely. Um, fair. What? So I, I want to yell out one of my favorite guys. Um, Fiondu Cabangeli at Florida State. Uh, he is... Six nine ish, something like that. Two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, he is a just tough physical dude. He's strong as shit. He can knock down open threes. He's a good passer. Uh, you know, can knock down seventeen footers. Uh, he's a really really good defender as well. Uh, I like. I think those Florida State guys in general are kind of underrated right now. I like him, and I like Terrence Mann at Florida State too. Terrence. Oof. Um, obviously he's athletic. Obviously he can defend like both of that. Uh, really great, great length, passer. great passer. Leonard Hamilton never creates, uh, recruits anybody who doesn't have length. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's good. Is he, is he Malik Beasley ish? I don't know if he's that offensive, uh, that, that kind of shooter maybe, but I do think that he is, uh, just a very, very good all around player that you can teach to shoot enough to where he really defends, he really passes, and he's like the perfect fifth guy to have out there. You can trust with tough defensive assignments, and you can trust to knock down an open three. Are you in on Bruno Fernando? Because I'm not. Um, not as much as some people are. Uh, like I think he's going to go in the first round, and I will probably not have a first round grade on him. Yeah. Um, and are you in on Romeo Langford? I'm. I'm leery. To me, somebody of his talent should have his team better than what it is right now so i think that i like him if he can shoot like that's kind of a cop-out but i I like the idea of him if he can shoot it because if he can shoot it then i think it opens up the rest of his offensive game if he can't Mm -hmm. shoot it i don't really know what you do with him on the floor he like his shot is the biggest swing skill in this draft i think right for any player like if he if he can shoot it he is a legit nba starter i think if he cannot shoot it I don't know what he is in the NBA. That all that all makes sense. Um, trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to talk to you about. How how is life going in Utah, Tony? Is there, is there anything exciting going on? I haven't played basketball in eleven days. It's a lot for so, you. So uh, because you know we had the road trip last week, and then ever since I got back, everything has been crazy. Now we're on trade trade deadline week, so I can't. You know, it's like I, I feel like if I go and play 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 two hours of ball a trade will happen and i'll miss it you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna try and go to a workout here like right after this my fiance will get home and we'll go and uh try and go to the gym or something and i have serious concerns that i'm gonna miss something like i think i'm terrified that something is gonna happen i I feel like my life is over until thursday at 1 p.m mountain time that move that Drew Holiday just put on somebody, he just put he just put an in and out on somebody and just went to the basket. He's so good. Drew Holiday is so good. He is genuinely, I think, one of the five most underrated players in the league still. Uh, uh, yeah. Even after Absolutely. last year's playoffs, I still don't think enough people give him credit for how good he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's an incredible defender. He doesn't get enough credit offensively. Like he he is just a stud in every way. Like if 
if Philadelphia, I would rather have him than Jimmy Butler for that team. Uh, I would as well. Like I, in a vacuum, I think Jimmy's a better player, but for them, I think Drew is a better player. But Drew's not going to back for touches ever. Right. And then, you know, you're watching that game. I'm watching what is just a beautiful 41 to 38 halfway through the second half Louisville, Virginia Tech game. Yes. Stop watching that game. I bet on Louisville. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but tell Donovan Mitchell that these guys need to start scoring a little bit more. Clearly, that that is the key. Like the fact that this is a game right now. I mean, I guess Virginia Tech's at home, but like Virginia Tech's without Justin Robinson still. They're playing six deep right now. I mean, get your shit together, Louisville. Come on, buzz is really good though. This is where I'm at. Um, Tony, tell the people what you've got coming up at the Athletic. Tell the people uh, where they can find your work. Uh, you can find me uh, at Tony. Wait a minute. What is my Twitter handle? T Jones on the NBA. Um, and, you know, you can find me at The Athletic. Um, I have some trade stuff up there. Um, I keep you guys updated as, as, as stuff progresses. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Jazz look like or whether they look the same uh, on Thursday afternoon. Go follow Tony. If Mike Conley gets traded, I would bet you he is the first person to report it, uh, at least if it's to Utah, maybe even if it's not to Utah. Uh, Tony is terrific at his job, so go follow him on Twitter. Go subscribe to The Athletic, where I also work. Uh, I'll have a big project going up at some point here uh, within the next little while. I guess that's about it for right now. We'll be back a little bit later this week. Maybe we'll try and do, uh, you know, We're definitely going to do a Thursday podcast for the trade deadline. I'm not sure exactly what else, though. So until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.